All right, how many of you are excited to hear from our guest speaker this morning? <clears throat> hey, you're, you can't be more excited for her than you are for me on a Sunday. Come on. No, you're in for a real treat. Lynn, come on up here. Lynn Stumberg and her husband, BG, started coming to church here about seven years ago. She says, I can't really believe it's been that long, yeah. but it has. Uh, Lynn and BG were leaders over at Canyon Ferry Baptist for somewhere around 15 years or so. Uh, but have been in ministry for many, many years. And when they came, uh, I joked, uh, we were joking about it in first service. When, when Jason and I saw BG and Lynn sitting out there in the chairs one Sunday, we thought, uh-oh, what's going on? Why is there a pastor from another church here? Are we in trouble? But actually, BG and Lynn have been a fantastic addition to our family here. They have served. Uh, they uh, just connected very well. They've been a great resource for us. You know, if you've, you've served in a leadership role in, in uh, church ministry, that gives you a unique view. And uh, having them to bounce things off of or just get to know and know that someone understands some of the pressures we feel at times, it's been a, a great reward. Uh, we're going to pray for Lynn this morning, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Lord, we thank you for Lynn and BG, for the Stumberg family, Lord, and and the heritage they represent. And God, we thank you for all the years of development that you've done in, in Lynn. Lord, that um, her education, her time in ministry, and her relationships. Lord, I thank you for her servant heart, Lord, and, and the joy that she has been to us. And God, I pray that today you would meet her right here, Lord, to help her speak what you've put on her heart. Lord, that our ears, our spiritual ears, would receive what she has to say and take seriously her encouragement and challenges today. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be working amongst us, stirring us, encouraging us, and motivating us through the message today. Bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right. Good morning. It's so good to see you all this morning. Um, I'm honored to get to be up here for worship a lot of Sundays, but the only thing about it is because of the lighting, I can only see silhouettes. You know, so I can never see faces. And this morning, I can see faces, and that's a blessing. So it's good to see you. And um, as J.R. said, my husband was a pastor for 27 years, and about the last 15 here. And when he retired seven years ago, we ended up here at Mount Helena. And um, we have been blessed to be here. It's, it's, we love these people. We love this church. And uh, it's a real honor to be in front of you this morning. And I have to admit, I'm getting outside of my box a little bit this morning. And... Um, I, uh, but my friends have all been a big encouragement to me on that. You know, some of them said, just take big breaths, deep breaths. So as you see me doing this this morning, I'm taking my deep breaths. Um, let's see, one said, pretend like you're all in your underwear out there. And, uh, and then another one said, I'll be spitting spit wads at you. But my favorite one was um, when my friend came up and said, you'll do just fine, Lynn. Um, you've, uh, what did she say? Oh, you've been walking with God for a long time. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know, my age just gave me away. Yes, but uh, hopefully I can share some of that wisdom with you this morning that maybe I've gleaned through my, through my years, but I'm not telling you how many. So uh, last week, J.R. started the conversation on the spiritual gifts, and uh, I'm going to carry on with that this morning. I won't be speaking so much about um, individual gifts, but more a practical application of the spiritual gifts. And um, to do that, we'll have several passages, but the one that we're going to focus on for most of our time this morning is found in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. 
And so if you have your Bibles, you might want to open up to that. And we'll be going back to these verses um, throughout our time this morning. So let's go ahead and read that together. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to split this into three parts, and I keep it really simple this morning. And um, the first part, we're just going to look at those first ten words, and it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. And so Peter, in this book, is writing to Christians. Um, and he, it's pretty much a given that all of his listeners have spiritual gifts. Now, if you are here this morning and you don't know what your spiritual gift is, but yet you have trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can know that you have a spiritual gift or gifts. God gifts them to us when we come and trust him. And, uh, but I'd encourage you, like I said, if you don't know what your gift is this morning, I would encourage you to um, first just start to pray about it. Ask God, seek him on this, you know, what is my gift or my gifts? And then there's a lot of tests online that you, can, um, that you can find that can help you determine those or at least get an idea. And then ask the people around you, you know, what are my strengths? What, um, what do you see in my life as being the possible gifts? And then just trust that God will show them to you. So... Uh, the first thing that we, we notice from this passage is that we all have gifts. We're keeping it very simple this morning. And, um, but here's the thing. There's lots of different gifts, and as humans, as you know, we are all very different. So that's a definition for diversity, right? But um, Paul addresses that in, uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're not going to turn there because it's a really long passage. But um, he compares the physical body with the body of Christ to help give us a picture of how this all works. And uh, he talks about the importance of each body part. But regardless of size or function, each part is important. And each part is just as important as the other. You know, there might be some gifts that are more visible than others, but each one is valuable for the functioning of the church. I mean, each one of you is important to this body here, and we need you. If any of you have ever broken a bone, or um, you've recognized really quickly how difficult it is when one body part is not working like it should be. So I worked at Starbucks for five years, and um, as you all know, when you're, well, you wouldn't know because you didn't work there. Some of you might. I'm trying to think. But anyway, you're running back and forth all the time. You're very busy. So one particular morning, the, um, the ice machine was leaking, and I didn't realize that. It was in the back room. And so I come flying through the doors to the back with probably four pitchers in my hands, and you can imagine what happened. Mm-hmm, yep, right on my elbow. And uh, it was a pretty good break. Thankfully, it's healed up 
okay? But anyway, that first, that six to eight weeks when I had to wear that cast, it was misery. I mean, just trying to figure out, I couldn't get my makeup, I'm left-handed, so I couldn't get my makeup on, couldn't write, couldn't even hardly dry my hair. So I learned really quickly how difficult it is when I didn't have my arm and my hand. But that's an example of how difficult it is. The body, the body of Christ doesn't function the way it should when we don't have all of our parts together. So we need everyone. We need you all. And um, we just need to remember, though, once again, there's a lot of diversity, and so things always don't go as well as expected. But hopefully they will. So, But how many of you have, have watched The Chosen? Oh, a few of you. Okay, a few. Okay, it's a TV series that's about the life of Christ. And um, I, so it is a series, but they use um, different points of Scripture, and, and sometimes they do actually use plausible details to add on a little bit. So, but um, we really love it because it's so real. It gives us a good picture into, like, for instance, there are several of the series that uh, look at the different disciples um, of Jesus and, um, and into their lives. And you see, you know, they didn't always get along. They had, you know, they had arguments, uh, you know, they had all kinds of problems at times. <clears throat> and so I use that example because Jesus, when he started his ministry, he didn't just pick one guy to hang out with him. He picked 12 and I mean, very different men to serve with him for those three years. And um, I believe, even though we have to keep in mind, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. They would receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But I believe that Jesus was um, training them, was using that time to prepare them from when they would have the Holy Spirit in their lives after Pentecost, and they would be instrumental in starting the new church. And so this was their training ground to prepare them for what was coming ahead. And so I think, I believe Jesus, he knew, he needed these guys. He spent a lot of time, you know, teaching about the kingdom, but he also helped them learn to get along so that they would be, be prepared for what was to come. In the same way for, for, for us, you know, we need each other, not only because we need you to serve, we need everybody. No, not that so much, but we need each other because we rough, we, um, we help to sand off those rough edges that we all have. We need each other to see growth in our own personal lives. And so um, I think he was also teaching them to live in unity in the midst of diversity. It's like I said, they were all very different. So we're going to move on and look, uh, we'll look back at the passage, and we're going to go to the next part that says, um, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So right there, he gives us the why and the how. He gave us the what. We all have spiritual gifts. And then he gave us the why, which if you look at that, you can see to serve others. So we don't get the gifts for ourselves. They're not for our own enrichment or for our own advancement, but they are for to serve others. And I like um, what, uh, what Paul says in, we all have gifts, the next point is steward them well. And then here's, yeah, here's the verse. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
And I really like that thought of the common good. The word community comes from a Latin word meaning common, public, or shared by many. And there's a lot of talk these days about the importance of community. But I really wonder how many people actually know what it is, what true community is. With Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, and FaceTime, we're more connected than any other time in history. Yet, in spite of this, surveys show that the number of people who say they are lonely without significant relationships has skyrocketed. Shirley Turkle, a uh, sociologist who's done a lot of study on the impact of technology on the human condition, she says this in her book, Alone Together. I'm going to read this, so be patient here. We are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connection offers the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our network life allows us to hide from each other, even as we are tethered together. We would rather text than talk. When technology engineers intimacy, relationships are reduced to mere connections, and connection is reduced to intimacy. But otherwise, cyber intimacies slide into cyber solitudes. I find that disturbing. Do you? Yeah. We live in a world of lonely people who long for relationship and yet don't know how to obtain it. As Christ followers, I think we have a great opportunity and challenge in front of us. Our churches should be places where those who are hurting can come and find love and acceptance. It's a place where they can see what really real community really looks like. But that puts a lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? To, uh, to be that community to those people and to create that atmosphere of unity. You know, just a side note here. Um, when you come into church on Sunday, it's always great, and I love to see, especially after service, when everybody's talking to their friends. But every now and then I'll see that one person who stands there just by themselves, and um, nobody speaks to them, and then they leave. And that breaks my heart. And, I, and I, don't, I don't think any of us intend to do that. We're so busy talking that we, we don't notice. But my encouragement to you is that you'll look around on a Sunday morning. Yes, talk to your friends, but look around. Is there one person? Is there a couple that nobody's speaking with? Reach out to them. Introduce yourself. Now, don't go up to them and say, is this your first Sunday? Because I would do that. And then I'll, I'll, I realized very quickly, no, they'd say, no, I've been here for 10 years. I'd say, okay. But, but introduce yourself. You know, um, greet them. And, um, because we don't want anyone to leave this building without a connection of some kind. Um, going back to Starbucks, um, I learned a lot at Starbucks. You haven't been able to figure that out. So one Christmas, we, um, we were talking about, did we want to stay open on Christmas Day? And my initial response was, no, of course not. And, um, but we had one lady that said, you know what? We may be the only connection that someone has on that day. We have people that come in here, and we are the only ones that they talk to all day long. And so she said, 
That was why I think we should stay, we should stay open, so that that one person can interact with a human being on Christmas Day. And um, I thought that was a good reminder. We don't want anybody coming to this building because maybe someone's coming in and we are their only connection with another person that day. Let's reach out. Let's be there for those people. And by the way, we did stay open on that Christmas Day. We had several younger girls who were like, oh, yeah, I want those tips. And so we did stay open. Somebody asked me for a service, what did you do? And I said, well, yeah, we stayed open. But I didn't have to work, so that was okay. Um, but anyway, so be aware of the people around us. I think that's part of, of living in community. So we talked about the fact that all gifts are given to serve others. And now, let's see how we're going to do that. And it, it says, going back, we're going to look at just that little, that little part there. Oops. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So, as faithful stewards, we are called to steward them well. I'm going to have to skip forward here. Yes, steward them well. And what does it mean? What does it look like to steward them well? And I think there's two components or two things that, that um, are very important when we uh, look at stewarding the gifts well. Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about the gifts in chapters 12 and 14, but then sandwiched between those, chapter 13, is what we often call the love chapter. And if you, you probably have heard this read at multitudes of weddings. They read these verses. But then we stop and think, well, why? Why did Paul do this? Why did he put this chapter in right in the midst of the talk about the gifts? Well, he's going to give us the answer. And he says this. Oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. So it's the first few verses of chapter 13. And it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So I don't think Paul, or let's see, yes, Paul here, could make it any more clear that if we have spiritual gifts but have no love, they're useless. Love is what unifies the church. The gifts are the tools that accomplish the purpose of the church. Building the body. Love controls the use of those gifts. After making his exhortation, he goes on and he shares the words that you probably have heard at weddings a lot of times. But honestly, those words were written for the church. And uh, so we're not going to go into them this morning, but... Go back, take a look at chapter 13 and use that as a checklist to see how you're doing in that area. So we need love in order to steward the gifts well. And then I think this, I believe the second quality that we all want is humility. What does it mean to be humble? Got a few quotes here. Okay. Ted Turner said this, 
If only I had a little humility, I would be perfect. The proud man can learn humility, but he will be proud of it. And then I love this one, Rick Warren. You've heard this, I'm sure. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God, obviously. And I think sometimes we need that reminder because sometimes we get so stuck in ourselves that that's all we think about. And we need to stop and go, you know, it's not about me. It's about him. And then the last one, and this is my favorite one because I found it, find it really helpful. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So there again, when you get in this introspective thing that you're just thinking you know, about yourself, how did I do, da 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 then just think, okay, just stop. Quit thinking about yourself, think about others. And it really does change things, doesn't it, when you do that. So, Ted Turner definitely doesn't know what it means to be humble. But let's look at someone who does. And we're going to look at our last set of scriptures this morning. And I'm going to break this into two parts. So first, it is Philippians 2, 2 through 8. And the first part says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves and looking to your own interests, but the interest of others. Wow, that's a whole sermon in itself right there, right? It makes me just think how pleased the Father would be if we could always practice these in our body, wouldn't he? And um, just basically, and having the same love, giving up selfish ambition, and looking out for the interest of others. That should be our goal in the church, shouldn't it? And Paul sets before us an example, then he goes on, of the one who perfectly displayed humility. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Gosh, how do you have that same mind as Christ? Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. These are some good verses to memorize. If you haven't memorized them, these are some good ones. I mean, they, they come in handy, especially when you're dealing with relationships in the church or anywhere, just reminding yourself, okay, I can have this same mindset as Christ. And you know what? The more you spend time with him, you get to know him better, the more you become like him, right? And the more you think like him. And that is our goal, to be able to have that mind. And... Um, I loved it in our song and um, this morning as we sang uh, to the highest place. What was it? It says, he made himself of no reputation. Yeah. And so this is um, something I just kind of want to touch on here is that, um, let's see, let's get here. The one 
uh, one aspect of humility I want to focus on is in the ESV version, which is one of the versions of the Bible, it says it this way, Jesus did not grasp equality with God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he gave up his rights. We don't always have an easy time doing that, right? We, as humans, we want to cling to our rights rather than giving them up. And oftentimes, giving them up for the unity of the church. Um, as I said, uh, my husband, he pastored, and we were in three different churches. And the first one, when we got there, they had pews. And um, pews are fine, but as as the church grew, they realized we needed to get rid of the pews and get the movable chairs. So that decision was made, but we lost several families over that decision because they didn't want to get rid of the pews. And obviously, I know they were important to them, but sometimes we have to be willing to give things up in order to have peace and unity within the church. So another big thing I think is too is just giving up that need to be right. Hmm? There's a good a good one to take with you. Give up that need to be right. And when you do that, it's very freeing. <laughs> it's a good thing. So and it also contributes to the unity of the church that we so desire. And then here's a bonus. If we as we serve with love and humility, it not only builds up the body of Christ, but it benefits us as well. And I kind of touched on this before, but we need to experience, we can't experience growth on our own. When we just, if we were just to stay home and never be involved with the body of Christ, we wouldn't experience that growth that's so important. And like I said, we need each other to sand off those rough edges. So we'll look at our final section here. And it's the last, it's verse 11, starting with that. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to finish up. Our last point will be all for his glory. And I think it's what Paul is is really stressing in this section is the need for dependence, dependence on the Holy Spirit. And he divides the gifts into two sections um, in doing this. And he's saying if you if you speak, which would be the speaking gifts, then speak as the words of God. And I think we can all think about cult leaders that we've seen or heard about in the past, who um, who would who twisted God's word for their own advancement and purposes. And we have to be very careful, you know, those who speak the word of God. Jairus got a big responsibility um, just to handle the word of God accurately. And then for those who serve, he says, he um, served with the strength that God provides. And I totally believe that if we can come to this place of dependence, on the Holy Spirit and on God, that God will use us in ways more than we ever imagined. Because when we, when we step into something and we think, oh, I got this, then uh-uh. <laughs> That's not a good attitude to step in with. We need to recognize our dependence on the Father. And um, 
we had recently finished a ladies' Bible study, and it was on um, on the life of Joseph. And um, some of you probably just think of the coat of many colors, but hopefully you have spent a little bit of time with this guy because the sovereignty of God just runs throughout the story. But it's what we're going to look at, just, just one little piece uh, this morning of his life. And um, so Joseph was in prison, and, and he's... Um, already interpreted some dreams in the past, and so um, Pharaoh hears this, and Pharaoh has some dreams, and so he calls, calls Joseph in, they get him off, get, change his clothes, give him a shave, all that kind of stuff, and he comes out, and Pharaoh says, I've heard that you can interpret dreams. Can you interpret mine? And guess what, guess what Joseph says? I cannot do it. Uh-oh. I was like, hey, man, this is your big chance. You know, this is a way you may get out of prison. But he says, I can't do it. But, don't you love the buts of Scripture? But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. This is the attitude we need to have, especially as we head into something. I can't do this, but God can. In fact, as I was getting ready for this this week, I kept telling myself, I can't do that, but God can do it. God can do it. And um, Paul puts it a little differently um, in, in Corinthians. He says, for when I am weak, then he can be strong. When we're weak, then God can really move and work in ways more than we could imagine. And so that, I think that's the last thing we really need to want, want to focus on is being dependent on him and all the things that we do. And, um, and then the bonus or the best part of all is that when we serve from a place of dependence, depending on God to do it, do the work, then he is glorified. We're not glorified, he's glorified. And that's the whole goal, isn't it? The whole goal of unity in the body and working together with our gifts is that Christ will be glorified. So as we close, let's see, we had our three points. We all have gifts, steward them well, and offer his glory. And so my challenge is, I want to encourage you, as I started out earlier and I said, if you don't know your gift or your gifting, then um, start to pray about it, talk to people around you. And then for those of you who um, would consider yourself um, participators or those that are active already and serving, whatever, look around find those people that could use some encouragement, someone that needs a little nudge to, um, to get involved and say, hey, you'd be so good at this. You know, so, so look around and so that we can all work together to cultivate this atmosphere of participation and activation. Oh, and it's Sign Up Sunday, by the way. So what, what a great opportunity you know, if you need to meet people or connect, sign up for one of the go groups or for one of the groups, and you can begin to get involved and, and have start to build that community in your life. So let's work together and see Mount Helena Community Church be a body of believers living and serving in unity where there are more participants than spectators. All this we are doing by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay, let me pray for you. As the psalmist prayed, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory. I pray for my brothers and sisters 
that you would empower each one and increase their desire for a deeper walk with you. That you would use each and every one in ways greater than they could ever imagine. And that we all might grow in unity, a unity that rises like a sweet aroma that is pleasing to you, that brings you glory. Amen.